This is attorney Maytal Manzuri. And this is attorney Alexa Steinberg. And together, we're Legally Blunt. This episode, we're going back to basics. Patient basics, how much you can possess, how much you can grow, what would happen in a police encounter, what you should do, and basically everything else we cover in our 15-minute conversations with patients that call new clients and patients there you go there you Um, go it was very funny because i feel like some of the push for this episode is my my cousin's dating this new girl and she's very sweet but she's very in your face and she was like oh my god you're a marijuana attorney like what can i do it and she asked all these questions and like i couldn't get a word out i was like oh people really want to know this stuff it was like very interesting she just she couldn't get her questions out quick enough yeah, it's so funny because it's sort of like, oh, you're a marijuana lawyer? What's the deal? What can I do? What can I not do? It's like, start the questions rolling. <laughs> so now we're just going to say, okay, go online and listen to our podcast. <laughs> so that's the purpose of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So let's start maybe with the basics. What okay. is a patient? A patient Phenomenal is... Phenomenal question. Yeah, a patient is someone who has a recommendation from a doctor. You have to go see a doctor and the doctor will advise you that you should use marijuana or cannabis, as we're calling it now, for your medical condition. Once you get that piece of paper, you're pretty much good to go to possess or grow a personal amount of cannabis. I mean, and also people call it, you know, your recommendation is your prescription. But you can't call it a prescription. No. Why? People, because it's really not a prescription. It's Do you know why it's not a prescription? It's not medical. Why? Because it's not federally approved. You can't have a prescription that's a federally (laughs) approved. I'm like, come on, Alexa. This I knew. I like to play dumb sometimes because that gets really good information out for you guys. Totally, totally. (laughs) You can be a patient with your recommendation. The next question we always get, should I get a state ID card? Uh, What's the difference between a state ID card and a recommendation? A recommendation you get from your doctor, a state ID card you get from your county's health department. If you have an ID, you've got both. Correct. You only have a recommendation, that's all you need. So what's the point of getting a state ID card? In effect, it should stop from any type of arrest by any uh, law enforcement. If you are approached by an officer and you're in possession or using cannabis. Right. But it does not protect you from arrest if you are distributing cannabis or selling cannabis to other people. It only protects what they have deemed to be a personal amount, which is eight ounces and six mature plants or 12 immature plants. So that's how much you're entitled to possess or grow under the state ID card program. You're not entitled to any more than that. So pause. The next really big question after people ask about the ID card is, so is there a a database that I'm landing on with the state of California? That's a good question. Uh, You know, the answer is actually yes and no. There is a database. They have to keep a database, but it is completely anonymous, they say, because your state ID card doesn't actually have your name on it. It has your picture. And an ID number. And an ID number. So what happens when the officer is handed your ID card is there's a phone number on the ID card and they can call the phone number and verify that your patient number is actually registered in that database but all it is is a number. There's no name connected to it and P.S. it doesn't show up on any sort of background check either. But 
then we reverse that question. What about recommendations? Can people look those up? Recommendations are not on any file database. The only place recommendations exist are in your doctor's office. So then, Which, the, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, are protected by HIPAA like any other medical records. Yes and no. I don't know. A lot of our clients, the doctor's offices won't release anything that we ask for unless there's a HIPAA release. But what about the police? The police ask for it, and actually because HIPAA is a federal law... Can you apply a federal law to a federally illegal substance? No, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) So it's tricky. So, you know, on the one hand, we want to say, you know, don't worry, go get your recommendation. On the other hand, there is a small possibility that your recommendation could, you know, end up in law enforcement's hands. So it's it's probably not going to end up in a potential employer's hands. Right. I would say that if you're going to possess or grow a personal amount of marijuana, it's better to have the recommendation to protect you from a conviction, which will definitely be discovered by an employer, than your physician statement. So we give you the green light on the rec. We give you the green light on the state ID card. Um, When can you get arrested? Oh, what a great question. Well, anytime you break the law... (laughs) Um, I guess that's the obvious answer. Well, let's first start off with the obvious if you're possessing more than your personal amount, which, again, was what Maytal said, is your eight ounces of dried marijuana or six mature or 12 immature plants. Is it mature or mature? I like the word mature. I don't know. I don't like that. I think that's maybe because my father says mature. (laughs) I like mature. I don't know. Um, anyway, okay, so can you get arrested? You can get arrested, obviously, if you're driving under the influence of cannabis. And that's a very hard case for the prosecution and the police to prove. But do you know how they can absolutely prove it? If you tell them you were just smoking marijuana. Or if they see you smoking marijuana in the car. I like that- to call this uh, verbal diarrhea. Totally. <laughs> it's like... Uh, everybody tries to dig themselves out of whatever hole they're in and they just dig themselves further by saying everything they possibly can to attempt to get out of the situation. Yes, <laughs> please assert your right to remain silent and do not engage in verbal diarrhea. Just because you say, I assert my right to remain silent, doesn't mean that you continue talking afterwards. <laughs> just to my eye. You shut up after that. Yeah, no mixed signals, okay? <laughs> cops are very good at totally playing you they're totally playing you i have friends who are police officers and they know how to play you so assert your right to remain silent because that's your right not because you have something to hide but that's your right but should you should you produce your medical marijuana recommendation this is a really great question um you know there are sometimes you should sometimes you shouldn't Because you don't want to give them any more information than, you know, what they kind of already have. It's really case by case. If they've found the marijuana, you produce your recommendation. That's for sure. But otherwise, there's no need to volunteer that information. Absolutely. I like that rule. Let's stick with that. And, um, you know, that kind of gets into the search and seizure kind of question. And do Pop you- quiz, search and seizure is what amendment, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> the Fourth Amendment. I feel like it's like the Jimmy Kimmel where they go and they ask these questions. Where like they did to know, us? Oh, did you guys watch the Jimmy Kimmel episode that made Don't watch it. On? Don't watch it. I sound so <laughs> stupid. Please do not watch it. <laughs> it was great. It was like a, a pot quiz. 
Um, anyway, your Fourth Amendment <laughs> is your right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures. What that means is that you have a right to be free from these unreasonable searches and seizures. So you do not need to consent to a search for any reason. An example, perfect example. You get pulled over on the side of the road and the officer says, do you have any marijuana in the car? And you say no. No, you don't say no. If you have marijuana in the car. <laughs> if you if, if you don't have marijuana, you, you don't, say no. <laughs> you say, I do not have anything illegal in the car. Good answer. And then he says, well, can I search? And you say, officer, I respectfully decline because I have a good friend who's a lawyer and she would kick my ass if I consented to a search. And that's one way that you can respond and not consent to a search. Another way they might come to your house and say, we got tips that someone's growing marijuana here. Can we come in and take a look? I respectfully decline. I do not consent to any searches. If a cop wants to search your house or your car, he's going to. There's not he or she, excuse me. If she has what she believes to be probable cause, and we'll explain that in a second, then she's going to be searching your home, your person, your car, but you don't give them that consent. Why is that so important? Because your beautiful attorney friends can go into court for you and argue that any evidence that was recovered should be suppressed as inadmissible because the search was unlawful. But if you go ahead and give them your consent, you've kind of taken our biggest tool out of the toolbox and made our job much harder. Wherever there's a search, there's always a potential for a Fourth Amendment issue. But FYI, guys, the Fourth Amendment applies to places where you have this, what we call a reasonable expectation of privacy. So, you know, if you're out in public, you know, and you've got something where you that you don't necessarily feel that you have a right of privacy. Your car, you you have a certain amount of privacy there. Your home, you definitely have amount of privacy there. Yeah, that's a great point. So your house is like the sanctuary. It's the, it's the most protected place under the Constitution. Your car, because you're on public, public roads. Streets. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. on public roads. So there's a diminished expectation of privacy. That's why you can be stopped by an officer. You have to abide by the rules. And uh, if they stop you and pull you over, Alexa, and it smells like marijuana in your car, are you getting searched? That equals probable cause, and you're absolutely getting searched, ladies and gentlemen. So please exercise smell control. Do not smoke in the car because the smell of smoked marijuana, burnt marijuana, I mean, or fresh marijuana is probable cause. Yes, and, you know, we talk about the diminished... um, expectation of privacy there's also something called plain view oh yes which means if the officer is lawfully standing outside your car which they probably are because it's public domain and they see something in your car that they probably shouldn't be seeing that gives them the right to search as well so where should we store our cannabis probably in the trunk i think that's a good idea do you think we should store it in the glove box probably not because that's within your reach yeah so the cops actually can Um, search your glove box and your front in front of your two front seats without probable cause or consent because that's a immediately grabbable so there's a safety concern in case you may have a weapon and b uh, where you keep your registration so if they ask you to exit your vehicle which they can do and then they need to find your registration they're allowed to go into your glove box And if you open your glove box to give them your registration and then it pops open and not only does it reek of Mary Juana (laughs) or 
he sees or she sees something in your glove box that they probably shouldn't be seeing, you're kind of um, up Shit's Creek without a paddle. It's crazy because as we're talking about all this and thinking about in the future, in November, if and when the Adult Use of Marijuana Act passes. That's recreational marijuana for those of you who do not keep up with current events. This is all going to be like pretty old news. Which is kind of exciting, but Which, kind of not. It makes it kind of moot, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I think cool. it's very cool. It's very exciting. Um, okay, so. Bes- Still good stuff to know, though, guys. Besides state ID card limits, the 8 ounce and the 6 and 12, if you don't have a state ID card, that is just a sort of guideline amount. Otherwise, um, there's a case called People v. Kelly that said it's actually whatever amount is reasonably related to your medical needs. Yeah, so think about it. Like, one doctor can't tell every single patient that's using this one drug that everybody needs the same dosage. Right. Because you could have somebody who has cancer and, you know, is dying, but you could also have somebody who just, you know, has a... A, a condition that's completely treatable and the same amounts can't possibly reasonably be for one patient that they are for the next. Right. So if you are, you know, you have a very serious illness like like cancer or, you know, MS, uh, you know, you might use more than somebody who suffers from insomnia or anxiety. Similarly, if you prefer to eat marijuana, meaning you make an edible, you need about four to six times more than the person that smokes it. So it's case by case basis. But at the end of the day, you have to think about what can I plausibly argue in court? If Maytal walks into the court for me and she tells the judge that I'm 20 years old, suffer from insomnia and had a hundred pounds, is that reasonable? (laughs) Probably not. Okay, and that is when we Nobody's get into buy that. <laughs> right. And that's when we get into business basics, which we'll talk about next. But the idea is, you know, if you're possessing a personal amount, you're fine. If you are distributing for others or growing for others, then you absolutely need to organize yourself properly and be concerned with how you're conducting yourself to avoid a felony prosecution and felony charges. Capital F, ladies Capital. and gentlemen. Capital. I have another question that people ask me all the time. What is that? Can they get fired for using cannabis? Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, guys, you can. I mean, not in this office, but. Not in my (laughs) office, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the Supreme Court has said that businesses can regulate their employees, and even if it is a medication, they can decide whether or not. Uh, you know, cannabis or or a testing for positive for THC is fireable or not. Yeah, like think about it. You're allowed to, you know, have a scotch or, or a vodka soda, but you can't show up to work wasted. Well, right, but the kind of the <laughs> funky thing is that marijuana stays in your system for so long. Yeah. So it's impossible to determine whether you're under the influence at the time of employment. Or so if it's an old remnants from you know when you were using cannabis a few days ago right so some employers take a zero tolerance policy and that's their right yeah so i mean madonna doesn't let you even drink on tour really Mm -mm. all right so the umbrella that we kind of always um draw out the diagram that we always draw out for our clients which we can't really do right now because you're 
just listening to us. But listen, close your eyes. Think of like a hierarchy of laws. Make a description. Okay. <laughs> so there are three laws, three types of laws that kind of govern what we're doing. There's federal law, there's state law, and there's city law. Under federal law, cannabis is 100% illegal, correct? Correct. Correct. Under state law, you are allowed, under the state of California, you are allowed to possess a, a certain amount, you're allowed to grow a certain amount, but you are entitled to a defense in court. So people always say, I have a right to this and I have a right to that. <laughs> the truth is, you only have a right to present a defense at the end of the day. The circumstantial evidence that exists may indicate lawful or unlawful activity. I always get the question about personal amount. Well, my doctor decided that I get to possess 99 plants, and so he decides, and that's reasonable. On the one hand, you're correct. On the other hand, if you have your 99 plants, you have 100 pounds, you have a bunch of cash, you have scales, you have pay-o sheets, these are things that a indicate... great picture. <laughs> right? And it's the picture that presents itself nearly every day in oh, our yes. office. Uh, that is not indicative of personal use. That is circumstantial evidence to demonstrate that you are not possessing or growing a personal amount of marijuana. Yeah. And then they will bring you into court and force you to present your defense. So reeling back to state law. So state law governs... Um, growing marijuana or selling marijuana to other people. And if you're doing that unlawfully, if there's circumstantial evidence to indicate you're doing that unlawfully or direct evidence, that is a felony. On the other hand, the third little set of law is city law, local law. And um, that is characterized as a misdemeanor if you violate uh, or a an infraction. or an infraction, if you violate a local municipal code. Each state can have their own laws. Each city can have their own laws. In other words, if we have legal cannabis here in California, all we're doing is choosing not to prosecute people who are in possession of cannabis. We are not conflicting with federal law per se. And that's, you know, that's a lot of like BS legal speak, but that's what the courts have decided. Yeah. So, for example, here in L.A., Right, we have this mishmash situation where we have these pre-ICO dispensaries, and if you don't know what that is, we we will talk more about it in business basics. But basically, in two thousand seven, there was a moratorium passed. That means a, a let's say, for lack of a better word, a ban, ban. on any more medical marijuana businesses or dispensaries. So every dispensary had to get their little butt into City Hall and register before, I think it was November something yes. of 2007. And if they got on that list, they were considered pre-ICO, Interim Control Ordinance. That's what ICO stands for. If they registered before that, then they're pre-ICO. Since 2007, in the last, what, nine years, they've had certain milestones that they've had to meet. They've had to register. They for to an, do live scans. All of these things. And all of these technicalities whittled the original 229 dispensaries that registered in 2007 down to 134-ish today. That's a major-ish, like capital-ish. Yeah, ish. Ish. But, um, in 2015, the city of Los Angeles then depublished 
uh, the pre-ICO list. So well, they we really created a list and then they took it off the internet because then they Sounds were right. afraid of everything. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk more about that because it's a super complicated situation. But going back to city law. So here in LA, we have Prop D that grants limited immunity to the pre-ICO dispensaries. LA City, LA not city. LA County. And if you are not one of those pre-ICO dispensaries and you are operating a dispensary, then you are violating Prop D. Violating Prop D is a misdemeanor and you can be taken into court and it's um, you would be prosecuted by the city attorney's office and have to plead your case out, try it, or, you know... Uh, Present whatever defense you got. Or beg for mercy. Sounds about right. <laughs> I think we covered that. <laughs> uh, but that is local law. So don't get confused because I have a lot of people who say, oh, well, I have a pre-ICO. 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 Um, and I want to take it, you know, up to Northern California. And I was like, well, that's great. But, you know, people in Northern California don't know what that is because that's just Los Angeles. So it's not... Um, it's not relevant. Wait, how else. many people have we had call us and say, I'm going to buy this licensed dispensary in L.A. and it's $100,000? <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, really? Where can you buy that? I want one. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, they're not generally for sale. And if you find one on Craigslist, it's probably bogus. <laughs> Unless it's going for upwards of 2 or $3 million. It's bogus. Yeah, correct. Okay, so you're allowed you're allowed to possess your personal amount of marijuana, but where do you get it? You, Answer is dispensaries. A dispensary. You buy it at a dispensary or from a collective. Or from a collective. And we'll talk more about what a collective is. But, but collective is the umbrella term for any medical cannabis business. Correct. And what if you go to, let's say we're in L.A., and you go to a dispensary that's not pre-ICO to purchase your medical cannabis? Would you be in trouble? Um, I'm going to say no. No. The selling of the marijuana from the non-pre-ICO business violates Prop D. But if you are not involved in the business in a managerial or, uh, you know, Otherwise, other capacity, you would not be violating Prop D. Now, what if you are a quote-unquote vendor? Whew. A vendor. Well, then you're technically a business operating for shits and giggles in Los Angeles. And most likely you're violating Prop D because you are not a pre-ICO shop. Correct. But as a patient... It is still lawful for you to buy your medication from um, any dispensary or collective that is set up in your city. Not just Los Angeles, in your city. But you need to be a patient and you need to be a member of that collective. So those are the patient basics, right? Yeah, those those are really, I think we went over all of the questions that my cousin's new girlfriend asked me. <laughs> and my dentist. There you go. The girlfriend and the dentist. Those th- this, this podcast goes out to you guys. Out to you, Dr. Song. 
<laughs> so we've broad stroked that. We hope you enjoyed it. It's a little bit dry. We promise to be a little more interesting as the podcast develops. But those we wanted are- to lay a basic groundwork for you guys to understand exactly what you're listening to and sort of pave the way for our next podcasts. So hopefully after this, you understand what a patient is. You understand more or less what a collective is. You understand how to protect yourself in a police encounter. You understand where you can legally get your cannabis and any potential ramifications that exist for being a patient and or smoking the herb. And if you missed any of that, we have our frequently asked cannabis question brochures that are distributed all throughout L.A., And we have more information on our website, which is manzerilaw.com. We can also be found, a little bit of a shameless plug, on Facebook under Manzuri Law and on Instagram and Twitter at 420 Attorneys. There you go. Legally-blunt.com. This is attorney Maytal Manzuri. And this is attorney Alexis Steinberg. Thank you so much for joining us as we navigate the weeds of cannabis justice.